listening to Spitball with Andrew Ballhawk Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Spitball. <laughs> I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows, and I am very proud to say, joining me back on the show this week, boy, did I miss him over the last couple of weeks. I'm hoping he missed me as well. It's the one, the only, if you ever need a conversation to be turned dirty. Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm good. Missing my intros. Yeah, I bet, especially when you had to do that week on your own, buddy. How was it? It was, you know, it was actually good fun. It was a little bit nerve-wracking because you're sitting there going, oh, you know, solo flight. But actually, not too bad. Well, I have to say, uh, I listened to the podcast, obviously, and I think you did a very sterling job. So thank you once again, sir. Obviously, I had to fly solo myself last week, which again, like I say, a bit daunting, but you kind of uh, get into the flow of things. So, But how have you been, buddy? I mean, it's been three weeks since I've speak, spoken to you now. So, uh, yeah, what's been going on? Oh, crazy. Um, it's assessment time at university so been busy holed up in the library pretty much for the last three weeks oh really uh, fair enough study like crazy huh something like that so you can party hard yeah fair play there's a, there's a song called party hard isn't there if, if memory serves so I'm sure maybe we can get a little bit of a clip of it in now <laughs> moving swiftly on from that <laughs> i love the job our producer does um how are the the marge lines doing buddy not bad um we have got our first game coming up at the end of the month on the 25th against the local rivals plim university oh very uh, nice. so it should be really good excellent yeah. so it's all coming along very nicely then yes yes absolutely um you're uh, you're lost for words it's going that it. well huh <laughs> it is going that way. It is really, considering that two months ago we had nothing. And now what we've got, I'm really proud of, of all my players and all my coaches and volunteers. Nice work. Okay, well, with that said, let us move on with the show. You are listening to Spitball. Now we come on to our Week 10 game review. And we're doing things a little bit differently this week. I've actually got Marcus to pick the games we're going to be reviewing this week. So for this part of the show, Marcus, I'm going to hand over to you. In which case, um, the first one I picked up was, let's start at the beginning of the week. And of course, weeks begin on Thursday in the NFL. They do indeed. And that was... Cleveland Browns taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, the Battle of Ohio. Wasn't really much of a battle there in the end, though, was there? It was kind of, it was a great, obviously, pre-game to see uh, still the Cincinnati linebacker getting his little girl to to come along to a, a game that he got to play in. But that's kind of where everything stopped for, for Cincinnati on a positive note, isn't it, really? Andy Dalton didn't really have too great a game and and got through three interceptions in the end. So what happened to Dalton? What was Cincinnati's downfall this weekend? Or this week, sorry. I have no idea. But um, when you you look at his uh, quarterback rating, when your quarterback rating is 4.3, yes, that's right, single digit there, 4.3, 
Yeah, 10 completions of 33 for 86 yards and those three interceptions we mentioned. So um, technically 13 completions. Oh, but, you dear, know. Andy. Yeah, oh, dear, Andy, indeed. <laughs> Wonder if that's going to end up being his new nickname. <laughs> it was just, I don't know what kind of went wrong. I, I knew we were going to get a quite a defensive game when you suddenly saw that at the end of the first quarter, they were pretty much trading in slog for slogs and third downs. I mean, the third down percentage for both teams was appalling. Cincinnati, 3 of 17. Cleveland, 7 of 16. I mean, they're both terrible third down efficiencies. Oh, yeah, they're they're ridiculously low, they are. And you can see why it was such a, a low-scoring affair. And to be honest, it's one of those games that I think we're probably both glad that we didn't stay up on a Thursday night to, to watch it. Because, of course, here in the UK, the Thursday night game kicks off at half past one in the morning. So uh, I'm sure there were some die-hard Ohio fans out there that may have stayed up to watch it. And um, fair play to you for doing so, but uh, not the best of games for you to watch. So um, the only other things, really, I can say about that game of course uh, every single active Cleveland running back managed to score a touchdown in this game quite the feat actually that run game that Cleveland run game looks really solid I like the way that they've got the balance between West Tate and Kroll I'd like to see a little bit more though because there was a few times where I felt that Hoyer was actually let down by his receivers and there's a few drop catches I know Benjamin had one and so did Gabriel and I'm just thinking that it could have been slightly bigger you know, we're talking, I know 24-3 is, is quite a whooping, but we're talking we could have gone something silly like 31 or, or above because I felt that as the game deteriorated in time, Cincinnati, you could see the defense just, just couldn't account for the adjustment. I mean, they held them in check, really, for most of the game. I'd say two-thirds of the game they were held in check. And the fact is the defense knew that the offense wasn't going to score and they saw all the on, you know all the offensive mistakes. You could almost tell that they just slowly just gave up along with, it seems everyone else on the Cincinnati team just called it a day after about, say, halfway through the second quarter. Yeah, well, I think uh, with that said, uh, we're going to call it a day uh, on that particular game and move on to the next contest, which Marcus is. Right, so we're going to do uh, a big jump now because we're going to go from Thursday at the start of the week all the way to the end of the NFL week and have a look at Monday night's Battle Royale of Philadelphia and Carolina. And the return of Dirty Mark Sanchez uh, at quarterback for the Eagles. Obviously, that's not his real name, but uh, it seems like quite a good nickname. So, uh, yeah, what did you make of it, Marcus? Absolutely amazing if you were an Eagles fan. If you're a Carolina fan, you are really scratching your head on this one. And also, if you happen to be up against uh, one of your fellow co-hosts in the Fantasy League who happened to have the Eagles defence when you were up by 30-something points with just you know one game left to play, you'd be very, very disappointed that the Eagles defence scored 45 points. Obviously in fantasy <laughs> land rather than on the field of play, but yeah. <laughs> It was a bit of a kick in the teeth. <laughs> I, I knew this game would maybe be closely contested, but really? Because you've got to remember, only a few weeks ago, we saw the Panthers' defence, you know. I mean, they're not the Panthers' defence of last year. However, I think it's ever since that sort of, I don't know, maybe the Packers game, they've just no confidence in this defence. And then as far as that offensive line for Carolina, well, 
nine sacks. I mean, nine sacks. Yeah, that's just that's getting stupid. And on the quarterback like Cam Newton, who's so mobile as well, or normally so mobile, it's uh, incredibly crazy, isn't it? Really? Yeah, but it didn't seem for Cam. I know they're saying that he hasn't. He's not one hundred percent fit. But I don't know whether he's he's one hundred percent actually in the game as well because there was quite a few errors we saw. I think a good two of the three interceptions seemed to be he threw it to where he believed the the receiver was going to be. Maybe that's how the the route's supposed to be run, and the receivers are changing on him. Maybe there's or or they're not in the right place. You know, there was one I think the second interception where he throws an inside fade and then the receiver has turned to his outside shoulder to make the catch so something's not right it almost seems from the the foundations upwards carolina is just completely no one knows what they're doing yeah and i think the uh, when you watch the highlights on nfl.com one of the commentators raises an excellent point and uh, carolina panthers got rid of a lot of their receiving core from last year didn't they so um with obviously ted ginn um going to help me out where is he now I'll have to come back to I that I think one. Gins in Arizona. The uh, fell was in New England. England. Smith went to Baltimore. So, all in all, you know, they've lost the big the big group of their receivers there. Yeah, and clearly, I mean, it's it's scary the fact that you've got this far into the season and they aren't quite gelled yet. I mean, really, guys? Seriously? But I also want to flip over the other side of the coin because that's the negative. Good stuff, actually... Wow, what a game Mark Sanchez had. Uh, yeah, his first game in a couple of years, or his first start in a couple of years, certainly. First start since 2012. Yeah, had a, a great game, uh, didn't throw a, a single interception, um, had over 300 yards, threw three touchdowns, I believe. Two. Uh, he threw two. Oh, right, OK, no problem. Yeah, both to, both to Matthews. Oh, right, OK, yeah, no worries. But yeah, over 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, and in comparison to Andy Dalton's rating, he had a rating of 102.5. So uh, compare the two there. Not bad at all for a first game back. As you're anticipating it, as you're coming in as the backup, I know there's always supposed to be this idea of the next man up. But I think as Sanchez came with such baggage, of like negative baggage, there was always going to be that, oh, God, he's starting. However, one defense turning up really helps because that just keeps your momentum going throughout the game. I mean, it was almost, you could have almost called it a game, I think, at halftime at 31-7. But it also meant that they didn't have to rely because McCoy didn't really have, have much of an impact. I mean, the ground game, that was the only real thing that Carolina stopped. And and coming back to Sanchez, um, I just want to say, like, obviously, the environment in Philadelphia is going to be completely different as well. Because in New York, especially with the media circus around the teams, the Jets, it's just a real cauldron of fire to be in. And the second you have a bad game or make a bad throw, then everyone and their son kind of gets at you for doing it. But this is the same quarterback who got them to the AFC, uh, the Jets to the AFC Championship game in his first three seasons in the NFL. So we know that the quality is there. It's just a case of finding the right coach to bring it out in him, obviously. Because really, we, we've known, like you said, Sanchez really, even though everyone's, he's got this sort of air of, I don't know, sort of failure around him. But you have to see that, you know, when he came into the league, he came from a very successful program in college. He went and then, like you said, he delivered... People don't realise how much he delivered actually on the NFL stage, getting to the um, into the postseason. Okay, the problem is, I guess you're always judged on 
that he's always judged on that sort of last season and then that was kind of a kerfuffle. And then he sort of sat around for the last two years sort of just playing backup to various people. But the fact is that if he needed to step up, which he had to, he could. With Foles' injury as well, then you would probably see that Sanchez may very well be in there till the end of the season. So it would be on Sanchez's shoulders to get the Eagles to the playoffs. And if they continue to play in their current form, then you don't really see that being an issue. Uh, no, um, I mean, because they're looking quite good now at the moment. They're 7-2, sitting on top of the East. There's, I don't know what you put into it. I mean, trying to look at the schedule, they've got some difficult games coming up. Won't deny that. They've still got to play Dallas twice. That's the key one for me. They've got to play Dallas twice. Yeah. Dallas chasing on the hills. They've got to play them twice. But Tennessee, Washington, New York, they're quite nice ones. Of course, there's Seattle slotted in between the Dallas games. I mean, that is... That is quite brutal. The the schedule, quickly having a look at it now, end of November, it goes Dallas, Seattle, Dallas. Yeah, you can't get three much harder games than that for sure. So um, we'll leave that there because we'll probably come back a little bit later in the show to uh, where teams are looking in respect of the playoffs. And let's shuffle along nicely onto uh, the third game you've picked for us this week, Marcus. Right, the third game I had to uh, had to have a look at was just because I did not anticipate such a game such as this, and that was Green Bay Chicago. Uh, late game Sunday night, we're talking Green Bay Chicago. Absolutely. Yeah, when you give it that sort of intro, mate, it could have only been uh, one thing, and that was uh, Chicago. Man, what is going on with their defense at the moment? Just there just seems to be a complete lack of it. I mean, uh, if you look at the last three games, they've given up well over 100 points. That's just scary. Yeah. I, I mean, even, it's when your coach is saying in their press game interview, let's face it, we're not a good team at the moment. It's kind of like the Raiders at the beginning of the season where they were just like, hate to admit it, we're just, we're not a good team. And uh, I don't know what you say around that. It's not just all defence. I mean, Cutler had a bit of a stinker. Run game never got established with Forte. And, oh God, what an injury for Marshall. Oh, yeah. See, now you may be able to help me out on this because I've actually uh, not seen much on this. So what what happened to Marshall, sorry? Um, Unfortunately, it's that sort of injury that receivers tend to pick up where basically as someone's coming to tackle him at the sort of knees and then the ankle is caught underneath the body as the defender's body rolls over. Yeah, it did look pretty. Uh, It never sounds it when you, when you, especially when you describe it like that. And the second you, that you say that the, uh, the ankle got stuck under the body, then, um, then, you know, it was, it was, yeah. Uh, so just having a, a look at this now, Brandon Marshall has said that his most recent ankle injury um, isn't as severe as the high ankle sprain that was reported, and he plans to play against the Vikings. That surprised well, you? Really, because it was one of those ones that looked nasty. Let's come back to the the game though, and Green Bay are just firing on all cylinders at the moment, aren't they? Especially with Aaron Rodgers. We've said it before. We're going to keep saying it as well, no doubt. But ever since he told everyone to just relax and he said that they got it, uh, that offense has just been on fire. Yes, it's always a way. I mean, we've seen this. I don't know what's going on at the moment. Uh, first Big Ben, now uh, Rodgers. But, you know, quarterback's absolutely just consuming the touchdowns at the moment. I think really my, my only fear with the offense at the moment, it just seems everything seems to be stacked through Lacey. Nelson and Cobb. And what, so you worried if, if one of them goes down that they don't have like a plan B? We, we saw that Nelson just was never properly, I don't know what the, the Chicago defence did, but clearly didn't game plan for him because they just left him in so many single coverages. He was just like, well, if you're going to make my job easy for me, I'll just go and have a monster day. But it seemed that I 
I don't know. You've got to sort of look at Green Bay if you're going to now take them on. I think we just said, actually, we're just looking at Philadelphia. Philadelphia, I think, are playing them next. You've got to sit there and go, right, we need to stop Lacey running, which will force it through either Nelson or Cobb. I mean, there has to be a way now that you have to sit there and go, don't want to become too... It's not one-dimensional, but, you know, it's too predictable. That's the word that I'm looking for, predictable. Yeah, but would you really want to say to Green Bay, OK, we're going to leave this, see if Rodgers can beat us? Surely it'd be the other way around. You would want to do everything you can to shut down Nelson and, and Cobb and, and make Lacey try and beat you on the ground. That's what I'm getting at, is that because you've got three pieces, you know what the three pieces are. How do you plan for that? That's the fact is that you've got to try and force it to go to the secondary or tertiary receivers because, I mean, you saw he, he can do it. I mean, his third third string tight end gets a touchdown. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about the uh, that helps nobody sort of play. <laughs> yeah, my favourite segment on uh, the NFL Fantasy Live show, the that helps no one touchdowns, absolutely. What I feel that is that as it's going through these three very key elements that... Green Bay's now got this system where it's not broken, so they're not going to try and fix it. Does that leave them with the the possibility of the fact that teams will just focus on these three people? Does that mean we'll have more backup people coming in and playing a bigger role? I don't know. But again, that's the next man up mentality. I guess these players should be prepared to step up and then when asked to come along and just say, right, they've like shut down Nelson and Cobb. Well, guess what? That means the likes of Quarles, the, the, the tight kid, end, um, Adams can come in and have a great game. Yeah, fair or enough. Quarles, the tight end, exactly. You know, are they going? Are they going to break it free for a major game? Well, yeah, they would. You know that Rogers, with the form he's in at the moment, he's going to throw to whoever's open, whether it be Nelson, whether it be Cobb, whether it be Quarles, or or one of the other receivers, Adams, you mentioned there as well. So, I think just he probably is the the most on form player in the in the league at the moment. I think. Um, certainly from an offensive perspective. Um, so we're going to leave that there because it was just an incredible blowout. Go and check out the highlights if you, you haven't there. Yeah, 55-14 uh, to Green Bay. Just unreal, especially for uh, a late Sunday night game, which are generally a lot closer than that. Um, so I think we're now on to game four, aren't we, Marcus? Well, the last game I wanted to go over was the closest one this week, I felt, and that was the 49ers and the Saints. Nice little overtime match here. What a game this was. Uh, I was watching this one closely on, on Red Zone at the same time as uh, watching the Bills against the Chiefs. Um, but yeah, the the Saints 49ers game, um, just one hell of a game all round, kind of swing swinging to and fro, uh, 49ers on top, then the Saints on top, then the Niners come back. Uh, just crazy crazy and even in overtime as well uh, it took them quite a while to decide who actually wanted to win the game <laughs> yeah just all round just an amazing game um jimmy graham's really asserted himself this year you know how he he was um big attention getter um at the start of the year and everyone was like how how do you defend against him you can't put a linebacker on him he's not quick enough you can't put safety on him he's not big enough to tackle him you just and put a keep really, to leave on him. Really, sort of, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this year, he hasn't had a, a real big performance. And I feel this week was his sort of like big show off. And I think it should have been even bigger and show offier had that last play, which I think 
should have counted. Sorry to interrupt. You think that last touchdown should have counted, even though the push was as clear as uh, Morris Day? It's just a joke. You can't push off like that. If a cornerback pushed a receiver off like that, you know that gets called for pass interference every day of the week. The way I saw it, it was it's, it's the same idea as the principles that there is always going to be a bump of grind. I felt that the handoff and then the uh, the exuberant falling over <laughs> by the defender. He should sign up for Premier League because he'd do great with um, flopping around in the penalty box. Uh, yeah, it uh, was a great dive, <laughs> admittedly, but even still, Graham shouldn't have had that kind of contact on him to force that in the first place. Agree to disagree? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to agree to disagree on that one. Otherwise, uh, yeah, we will be be talking about that one for a while. But <laughs> not only Jimmy Graham in, in this game, I thought, had a great game, but we actually saw how good Drew Brees can be at escaping the, the pass rush, even when defenders have their hands on him. I mean, Jimmy Graham's second touchdown, Brees looks like he's getting sacked, all ends up, somehow manages to shrug off the 49ers defender um, and then, then throws a bullet to Graham for the touchdown. Yes, I mean, that's the thing. Is the first thing people tend to talk about Brees is that he's, he's kind of undersized. Um, I believe he's only just barely pushing six foot. And the fact is, you know, oh, how can he see over the top? But we don't really talk about him about this sort of great pocket awareness he has because you don't think of him as one of the mobile quarterbacks. But you've got to think with the, the pass rush that San Francisco can produce, um, he needed that flair. He really did need that flair um, just to keep that game, keep the game alive because I think the amount of blitz they kept sending without the sort of pocket awareness... I don't think the Saints would have been as close. No, definitely not. He had a, a great game. It's just a, a shame for him the the way it ended with the uh, the forced fumble by the 49ers and then the recovery by Borland, who, uh, spoiler alert, may be coming up later in the show, um, another player for the 49ers who was, uh, as we said before in the show, next man up, next man up standing in for Willis and Bowman at middle linebacker, um, had an exceptional game. Yeah, I mean, it is that mentality, isn't it, that you, you've got to produce in this league. But considering all the gaps, I'd say, like you say, there is a, there's a few gaps on that 49ers defence. I'd say they they really did try and keep like limit New Orleans because that is an, a, a fearful attacking presence. We, we've seen them rack up yardage and rack up um, points very quickly. Yeah, and uh, I just want to finish off on this one because I do just want to talk about uh, one other thing before we uh, move on. But for me, I think play of the game in this one, we talked obviously about um, the defence playing really well and, and how well Borland played, but play of the game for me has got to be that 51-yard throw from uh, Kaepernick across his body, across the field. Uh, all the way downfield to Crabtree, who just kind of peeled off his defender when he saw that Kaepernick was scrambling around. I think he threw the ball as hard and I think as far as he could, and bearing in mind he was throwing it across the field, um, he's probably bulleted that ball with the best part of sort of 60, 65 yards. Really, he is, it's, it's that game management mentality, isn't it? Like we said last year with um, Alex Smith at, at Kansas City, you know, he wasn't, wasn't high, you know, wasn't setting the stats sheet alight however finding ways to win the game yeah and when you've got the likes of uh, Frank Gore and Jamal Charles you don't really need to to do too much just establish the the running game and with Hyde as well in the 49ers backfield uh, establish the running game and then just use the the various receivers you've got playing for the Niners so you say uh, Green Bay they've obviously got a f- only a few targets to, to lock on to but then you look at the 49ers on the flip side to that and they've got about five or six 
targets they can throw to. They can throw to Vernon Davis, they can throw to Anquan Bolden, Michael Crabtree, throw to Stevie Johnson. Um, list just kind of goes on really for the 49ers, doesn't it, as far as targets that Crabtree can have on the field. Not Crabtree, sorry, Kaepernick. Yeah, and of course they've got that two very good running backs in Gore and Hyde. Gore is a bit more, I'd say, a runner. He doesn't tend to do much catching, but Hyde's that versatility back who can who can catch out of the backfield. Absolutely. Now we're going to finish off with that one there because I'm just kind of cautious of keeping an eye on the, the time as well. And I just want to quickly talk about the third instalment of the international series we had at Wembley this week between the, the Cowboys and the Jaguars couple of bits to talk about firstly obviously as we're in november um it is the nfl's salute to service uh, campaign going on throughout the month of november so you'll notice uh, this weekend that all of the the coaches on the sideline were wearing some form of kind of green or brown hoodie uh, with the salute to service little kind of pin logo on it and that's very similar to their wear it pink campaign so what I'm going to do is put a link to the salute to service campaign in the show notes for you to go and, and have a look and you can see um, what that's all about and um, and the money they raise and, and where the money goes of course so this Sunday we had the international series game at Wembley and in the UK it was also uh, Remembrance Sunday which is a special time of year purely because we have the opportunity to uh, remember uh, or as a nation we remember all those who gave their lives um, so that we could be free today before the game we had the official poppy song sung, sung by Joss Stone called No Man's Land um, again uh, a link to that is actually in the Lowdown blog uh, so if you go to the website www.bullhawksnest.com um, you'll be able to click on the link to the No Man's Land Poppy Appeal video. I'm also going to put a link to the Royal British Legion in the show notes and again you can find uh, the video through that. So we had uh, the official song during the National Anthem. I thought it was a really nice touch. Did you see the kind of array of poppies that, that they had? Normally it would be the country's flags or something like that, wouldn't it? While the anthems are being sung, but all the placards people were holding up and it looked like a sea of poppies around Wembley, which I thought was fantastic. The fact is that this, this event has fallen at this sort of time, but rather than disregard, they, they've incorporated it. Absolutely, and even down to uh, every single player having a poppy on their jersey as well. Um, that, for me, was great to see. We know they do it across the, the Football League here, but it was great to see the NFL take that on board and uh, and share in, in Remembrance Sunday. Uh, and, of course, we uh, we also a recording on uh, Remembrance Day today, the 11th of November, so uh, I'm sure a lot of people around the the country and potentially around the world as well observing a two minute silence today uh, the 11th hour the 11th day uh, the 11th month in memory of the the wars uh, the first world war and second world war um, and this year obviously being the 100 year uh, anniversary of the start of the the first world war so we're going to leave that there um can't i'm sure you can you can probably tell that it kind of this time of year uh means a lot to me especially being a uh, hundred years since the start of the great war for anyone who's had a chance to get down to the tower of london and see the sea of poppies outside the tower of london in where the the moat used to be um i'm sure like me you'd have found that quite moving um, and emotional and for those who didn't get to see it i will put some of my pictures that i took when i was up there um in the show notes as well just so you can see the the tribute to um all those who died in the first world war a poppy for every single life lost uh, in the great war so we'll come on now just briefly to the game itself um 
And I think it's fair to pretty much say that this was the Des Bryant and Denard Robinson show, wasn't it, Marcus? Yeah, Des Bryant. Wow. Um, yeah, welcome to London. Yeah, he had an amazing game. And a lot of the actual plays are kind of off his own back. You know, he's fighting for yards again. So difficult to tackle and um, for the Jaguars to actually get him down. Yeah, and particularly on his... Uh... On his first touchdown as well, wasn't it? The sort of 30, it was about 35 yards, I believe, something like that. But he just, um, about 10-yard completion that he turned into a touchdown just with sheer power, will and determination to get in the end zone. And as a contrast, Denard Robinson's touchdown was just sheer, sheer speed. I mean, that boy is quick. Yeah, it's actually nice because you consider where Robinson's come from. This whole sort of converted quarterback in college, he's come back and they've said, right, you're going to be a running back. And he's got a right, talent for it really you think actually what he's put in he's last couple of weeks he's developed this sort of um a couple of hundred yard game uh games and i'd say he was the standout really Bortles didn't have a bad game but it wasn't spectacular robinson's really asserting himself as the number one back in jacksonville when of course we were traditionally we wouldn't have thought of that when they brought in like some, the likes of gerhardt we would have thought he would have been the number one back but it's, it's the robinson show there in the jacksonville running game yeah, absolutely. Well, because we're short of time, I'm going to cut that one there. So that concludes our Week 10 Roundup. Who are you? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. I don't know you, bro. You're having one of those days. Hey, baby. You're having one of those days. I say that to say this. If you wouldn't have did what you would have did, then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got. That just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus, put your shoe on. Put it on. Jeez. I can't finish with these gloves. <laughs> I'm a teeth. I think I trim my tooth. Wish I had some gold so you can buy me some teeth. Now we are at the part of the show where I always like to ask Marcus. What's been grinding your gears this week? You know what really grinds my gears? The fact that the NFL nowadays seems to have this association. We know we've already had a gear grind this year about bad rep and stuff like this. But how about this? I was reading this week about a couple of the stuff that is going on. And players under allegations or had misdemeanors in the past. And they're the league's sort of willingness to just sort of turn a blind eye to let them play. Reading an, uh, an article in a newspaper talking about the Broncos interested in signing Incognito, the, the guard from Miami who's, who's kicked off the team for... For, um, for bullying and racial discrimination, wasn't it? The, uh... Yeah, but um, I'm also reading the fact that Vikings are interested in re-signing Peterson the second that his, his, his court case sort of gets done with and the fact is that it's so easy to just welcome him back into the fold. Uh, the Eagles a couple uh, a year or so ago um, and the Riley Cooper scandal. Um, and, of course, really, when you think about it, Michael Vick and the Jets and the fact is that after what he did, and he just almost came straight back into the league. And really, it's grown back is the fact that this year, I mean, it's, uh, there's been a trend the last couple of years more and more people getting in trouble as the league's gone on. And it's really starting to get on my get on my nerves. The fact is that the NFL is so quick to just sort of try and brush this stuff under the carpet, show that they may be doing something, it's going to court or whatever it is. The fact is players are just instantly sort of, we're almost forgetting about what some people are doing. Surely this should be a league sort of set out to be, you know, 
it should be the pinnacle. You want to be in the NFL. You should be not only the best on the pitch. Surely you should be the best role model. The people you're trying to engage with, young fans, old fans, new fans, you know, lifelong fans. You 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 set so much. You know, I okay. I understand that the pressures maybe for being on that pedestal are high, but at the same time, you know, you've got to come to a point where you've got to decide. You know, when do we cut the point where we say? As a league, you know, we're not going to stand for that in our league. When do you sit there and go, let's clean it up? Um, and for me, I'm feeling that it's just starting to get to the point now where you can pretty much do anything, get slapped with either a fine or a suspension, and then it's all done with, it's all rosy, and you can come back and play again. And for me, it just it just doesn't cut the mustard. And so for me, that's what's been grinding my gears. So, with that said, um, where do you stand on the fact that your defensive coordinator was suspended for the, from the league for targeting uh, other players? And by targeting, we mean uh, he gave bounties uh, to players to go out and injure members of the opposition. How do you stand on, on him now being your defensive coordinator? Not great, really, because to be fair, I consider him almost in a way sort of in the same concept as a cheat. You know, you're, de- you're deliberately trying to gain an advantage on an opponent by severely hurting another human being. Um, I mean, okay. to be fair, you are a gladiator in the ring. The second you, second you step onto that field, you are a gladiator. Now, don't get me wrong. You want to best your opponent. You know, you want to be victorious over your opponent. But the fact is that the other, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got to sit there and go, that's still a human being I'm hitting at the end of the day. Okay. Besting them, beating them, winning, victory, they're fine malicious and vicious attempts no to be fair no that that class exactly the same as mine when do i just said when do we clean up the league and when do we when do we draw a line in the sand yeah true i must also point out of course it was the uh and apologies for not stating this at the time it was the alleged bounty uh scandal but of course there were audio recordings out there of him um ordering the so-called hits so as the league have lifted his suspension i guess we should probably leave that there but that is a completely fair gear grind in fact one last point on that sorry i was gonna go on to the next topic because i see the time but I just want to come back. So are we saying that we think the league should give additional suspensions on top of um, what could potentially end up in jail sentences? Yeah, I think at some point you've got to sit there and go, when is it? There should be a limit where you're sort of like, you're not welcome anymore. Sorry, but we don't want you in our league. Okay, that's completely fair. Well, we'll we'll leave that there. Um, And maybe you guys can let us know what you think. Remember? Hey, guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. And with that, we move on. Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got gun, Hulk left slot. Dixie left, key left. Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick (laughs) go. And now we move on to my favourite part of the show, and that is our weekly awards. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've done this uh, a little bit differently, taken a a slightly different approach. So uh, on Marcus's show, he opened it up to everyone to find out uh, what you thought, giving his recommendations uh, for the the winners. And obviously, I went back to old school uh, by telling you who I uh, said, (laughs) basically telling you the award winners. So Marcus, how do you want to play it this week? Do we want to open it up to our lovely listeners or are we going to just go ahead and say 
These are the winners. Well, I think what we should do is, uh, why don't we give one each and they can vote which of our selections win? So kind of like a bit of yours um, and a bit of mine. So they get a pick. However, at the same time, it's a bit of competition. Me v you. Who can get the most... uh, (laughs) <laughs> who can get the most votes <laughs> okay that is completely fair enough are we allowed to vote for ourselves uh guaranteed vote is it yeah you know you go so but i'm asking you are we saying are we saying that's allowed or not uh yeah we can but it's pretty much i'm gonna vote for my guys well yeah unless let's... we've got the same guy of course and then that's just yeah of course <laughs> that's gonna make this look really embarrassing but you know it's like the x factor because they have four judges, two are in the sing-off, and, you know, if, if there's two different judges, you know which judge is going to vote for their own, the, their own act. But So instead of like only going to the two people that really matter, they still get the people who are going to vote for their own acts anyway. Uh, moving swiftly on, and we'll do this unless it goes horribly wrong when we pick the same player. <laughs> so let's go with the <laughs> award and start with your runner-up or honourable mention. Uh, my my runner-up this week, because you couldn't deny um, he had an amazing game. We mentioned it earlier. And that is Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for Green Bay Packers. Wow. Only the runner-up. Wowzers. Yep. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. 315 yards and six touchdowns is just it's beastly. Um, and you have to deny that, you know, it's a great impact on that team. But, um, yeah, my, my winner this week, or, or potential winner, because, of course, our lovely... Charming, beautiful, um, outstanding <laughs> listeners are going to uh, are going to be voting potentially, and I figured who I will say um, for my selection just blew me away with their performance this week. And it is what my first place potential. Yeah, please. Yeah, you you started like you were going to mention them, so I figured I'd let you carry on. All right, okay, fair enough. Then my potential winner, up to you, lovely um, online voters, is going to be Marshawn Lynch, running back for Seattle Seahawks. Nice work. Yeah, 21 carries, 140 yards, four touchdowns, proper beast mode this week, an average of 6.7 yards, a carry. What, what more can we say about how amazing he was this week? Yeah, and I, I put him first. I just The way I saw his game against a slightly better Giants defence against a rather lackadaisical... Bears defense just was such more of an impact, especially considering running back putting in that much that much actual offense. I mean, quarterbacks we know can have potentially electrifying games thanks to the throwing nature of the league. So true. Well, this is going to make things interesting because uh, my runner up this week is Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> and my winner is Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh what we like we don't plan this listeners we really don't no we truly don't so uh we are literally in direct competition with each other as to what order they should be in um of course yes uh rogers was against uh a, a pretty bad bears defense but he threw all six of his touchdowns in the first half in the first half he only did 30 minutes to destroy the Bears' hopes and <laughs> dreams. <laughs> That's all it took. 30 minutes. But we will leave that up to uh, the listeners. We know you're educated, you're smart, intelligent. You'll make the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we're both battering them up. It's brilliant. <laughs> and in layman's terms, pick me. Uh, right. <laughs> so uh, we'll move on now to the Mr... 
award. Um, and let's go through your runner-up and potential winner, Marcus. Okay, so my uh, runner-up this week is uh, Jaquane Jarrett, free safety. And your winner, please, buddy. So my winner this week is Connor Barwin, linebacker, Philadelphia. See, I haven't gone like you last week, picking all defences <laughs> and upsetting Mark, except for the little funky uh, Dolphin song at the end. That was cute. <laughs> True. Connor Barwin, just amazing, really. I mean, three and a half sacks. He's now the sack leader of the league so far this year. And it just really, it really shows that that the speed of that, not only that you think of the speed of the offense, but how about the defense? That a linebacker is the sack leader, you know, really paving a way through the defense and attacking Cam, quite a mobile quarterback, making sure he can't have that extra sight, you know, using that run against uh, the potential when the when the pass isn't there. So for me, he really sort of shut down that entire aspect of the game um well this is embarrassing and i guess we kind of knew it's going to work out like this but um he was my winner too (laughs) (laughs) um so i guess uh you can vote for connor barwin or connor barwin um vote for my connor barwin my connor barwin yeah maybe maybe we'll do that we'll put uh for the vote on this one, we'll we'll put uh, Connor Barwin, Marcus in brackets, and a Connor Barwin, Adri in brackets, uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and see what happens. And that really will be uh, a competition there, and we will see what happens. Remember to vote for yourself, otherwise <laughs> I will win. Um, <laughs> my runner-up, I'm just going to give a mention to, mentioned earlier in the show, uh, goes to Chris Borland of the 49ers for uh, 17 total tackles, um, just in general being everywhere... Uh, that a play needed to be made and of course getting the all-important fumble recovery in overtime to set up the game winning field goal so i guess we should probably (laughs) leave that segment there and put that one (laughs) down to experience i'm eating burritos bigger than you it's time to go eat baby you got some hungry dogs over here apple orange orange Potato. I don't want no crackers. I'm hungry, man. I gotta eat it. Feed him. He hungry. Man, you guys didn't eat your Wheaties this morning, did you? We eating all day, bro. We'll brown these guys up and turn them into little bitty eagle meatballs. Now we're just going to uh, briefly finish up with our... And looking ahead to the schedule, what we're going to do is we were going to have a look uh, at some playoff uh, implications, but I think, Marcus, we're going to have to forego that because of time. Uh, So let's just go straight through. And we will then call it a day. Okay. So what is your... Me go first. We are live. Yes, you go first. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I completely switched off there for about 30 seconds. I was just listening. I was just listening. (laughs) Makes a change, but I suppose. uh, You're right, yes. A dagger to me art. It was. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Go for it, buddy. Fair enough, then. My one, then, this week is I am looking at... I've loved them this this year. I mean, last year they were a bit of a bane, mainly because they kept messing up my uh, fantasy, but I'm loving Thursday night football this year. And I'm looking at it again because we've got a great AFC East matchup. Buffalo at Miami. Oh, yeah, Miami. More importantly, Buffalo. It's 
<laughs> it's for me. It's it's looking like that one where you guys have kind of you you guys are coming off getting some form and stuff like that. And I mean, I, I think last week really. I don't know. I Kansas City, to be fair, I think that was a really close match. And the same with Miami, where you've both come off pretty close, close loss. So I think this is really everyone's trying to chase the the Pats, right? The Pats are pretty much at the moment solid in the East. It's even juicier now because you've both got the whole five and four thing going on. So one of you two have, have clearly got to try and claw and scratch above each other to try and get the potential. Because you look at the division. I know we're not talking about playoffs. But there is a potential wild card slot there for either you or Miami. Yeah, absolutely, there is, and um, it will make things interesting. If Miami win this game, then it means we won on uh, one game each on the season. But if we win uh, at Miami, then uh, we get the the clear advantage for any playoff seedings. Exactly. So for me, Thursday night football so far has not disappointed, and I don't expect it to disappoint again. This is going to be um, it's quite a grueling one. And I think, really, without there being, say, something to upset it, either we get a little bit of a Miami storm or something come in. I'm afraid I see Miami taking this one just because the last couple of weeks, I think they've played more solid games. Um, Defense, we saw that a couple of weeks ago against Chargers, really step up. And I think we're gonna. It's gonna be a nice, very closely contested. So we're talking a 55-45 swing to Miami and so we're talking a field goal maybe a walk-off field goal that would be a nice way to finish it off uh, well it sure would if the field goal is kicked by Dan Carpenter and not uh, <laughs> Caleb Sturgis but nice one okay so uh, my swing uh, we just mentioned them there um, and I'm going for the New England Patriots uh, as they go up against the Colts this week and I think just with the way that New England have been playing lately, the form that Brady is in um, and the sort of downturn in form that the Colts are having, I am going with New England uh, by quite a big margin, actually. I'm saying New England with a 65-35% swing. So we're looking at 10 to 13 points. They will be beating the Colts by. There's a bold one for you right there, Marcus. It's always weird, isn't it? Because you never know what happens with um, with your bye week. If you were running hot, does that now, with a week off, you sort of cool down a bit? Um, I mean, they came off um, not such a great ending before the bye week. So could New England have caught the right time to play them? I think possibly, yes. Yeah, I I totally agree. And what we're going to do is we're going to finish there. But what I just need to get from you, Marcus, actually, is uh, we normally have a Marcus and the mind-blowing plays feature in the show notes for those uh, new to the show, so be sure to check those out. Um, Marcus, what play stood out for you uh, in week 10? I've, I've picked three out for you, and I'll give you them here. So the first one is Grimes grabs an interception. I don't know if you've seen this one yet. Oh, have I seen it? Oh, oh One-handed pick from heaven. Oh, it's, yeah, it's absolutely sublime. Um, Being both uh, defensive players, myself and Marcus, just, well, uh, yeah, we better move on because things might get a bit weird. (laughs) (laughs) But my second mind-blown play was Bryant beats four for six. Now, that's the... uh, the beastly one we saw, we were talking about earlier, the touchdown where he manages to take a very short catch 
um, from Romo, which only looks at what five, six yard play. And he breaks four tackles and he goes in and scores at Wembley. It was fantastic. No one could bring him down. This guy's too tough. Absolutely. Okay. And your final one, buddy? My final one is Peterson, Patrick Peterson, and his tip, catch, and touchdown. Excellent. Well, yeah, I, I had those in my list, uh, so that's good work. I'm going to put a couple of other bonus ones in there as well for you. Um, the John Brown catch for the Cardinals um, and also uh, the uh, Randall catch for the uh, Cowboys. So two from the Cowboys-Jaguars game there to round out the, the mind-blowing plays. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. Okay, so that wraps it up from us for another week. Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. It's been awesome. Thank you. You're most welcome, sir. Remember, we are downloadable on iTunes. Our most recent shows are also rebroadcast on the 1800 online network. Uh, a link to which is at the side of the page. Most importantly, remember... Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. And until next time, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. (laughs) 